I'm Anna Rothschild, and this is Podcast 19 from 538. Early on in the pandemic, there was a lot of talk in this country about whether the virus that causes COVID-19 could have leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. Some scientists and politicians circulated this idea, but there was no substantiated evidence to back it up. The most likely story is that the virus crossed over from animals, probably bats, into an intermediary species before making the jump to humans. That's how SARS and MERS ended up in humans. We got SARS from palm civets and MERS from camels. That said, we still don't know where COVID-19 came from. We have some evidence to support the natural spillover idea. For example, most of the people in Wuhan who had COVID-like symptoms in December of 2019 were exposed to animals before they got sick. But we still haven't found a bat or pangolin in the wild that has COVID-19. We have no smoking gun, if you will. In the absence of that proof, some people think something else must have created the pandemic. I want to reiterate that we have no hard evidence to support the lab leak idea, let alone a smoking gun to validate that hypothesis. But despite pushback on this story from many scientists and the media early on, it's back in the news, and we're all talking about the possibility of a lab leak, even President Joe Biden. On May 26th, the White House released a statement asking U.S. intelligence to further investigate the origins of COVID-19. There may be some legitimate reasons to do this, but the debate has gotten heated. And when a conversation is centered around controversy instead of science, we can lose sight of the bigger, more important picture. To add some nuance to this discussion, I called up two science journalists who've been reporting on the lab leak story since the beginning of the pandemic. I'm Sikhan Akpan. I am the health and science editor at New York Public Radio. I am Amy Maxman, and I'm a senior reporter at Nature. For a little more background on these two, Sikon holds a doctorate in pathobiology, and Amy has won multiple awards for her reporting on infectious diseases, like Ebola and malaria. So early on in the pandemic, there was a lot of talk about whether COVID-19 came from a lab leak in China. And then it seemed like that conversation largely disappeared in, in most mainstream media until fairly recently. So what happened? I've been thinking a lot about that, too. My thought is one thing is that the crisis was really heavy in the U.S. last year, and it's sort of subsiding here. So part of me wonders if the news is sort of returning to this because the daily you know, cycle of news on other acute crises is sort of waning within the U.S. That's not, that's not the whole answer, but I wonder if that's part of it. I would say that these questions about the origins of the virus never really went away. There were some stories this past fall and winter that were, were digging on this issue. And so I think this, this stuff was always brewing, um, and it just happens that we've reached a tipping point. That tipping point seems to be two recent Wall Street Journal articles. The first, published May 23rd, said that three staff members from the Wuhan Institute of Virology got sick and went to the hospital around the same time in November 2019. 
The report hasn't been disclosed to the public, and U.S. intelligence officials are debating among themselves about its veracity. As Amy pointed out, Okay, they went to the hospital. Well, I think the article also includes that in China, a lot of people don't have, say, a primary care doctor, so they might have just gone to the hospital because they were sick from anything. It doesn't mean they're severely sick. The second article from the journal noted that in 2012, researchers from that same institute in Wuhan collected various coronavirus samples from bats that had formed a colony in an abandoned mine. And apparently a journalist recently tried to go to the cave and Chinese authorities stopped that journalist from going to the cave and questioned him. Which you could say, what are they hiding in that case? I can tell you I have been told not to go so many places in my reporting career. Both Amy and Seacon pointed to possible global geopolitical reasons for the conversation restarting. For example, last week was the World Health Assembly. And that's when the WHO and 194 countries that belong to the WHO meet to sort of talk about the pandemic and talk about sort of strategies around solving this pandemic and preparing for the next one. So it's also, I think that might be a rallying cry for a lot of researchers and other people who believe like there needs to be another investigation into COVID origins. This is sort of a time to uh, voice that and get it heard on a high level. Jumping off of that, you know, I think the big lead up this year was the World Health Organization conducted a joint commission with China, and then they put out this report sort of summarizing everything that they found. And uh, it didn't quite stick the landing. You know, there were still a lot of open questions. You know, we know from psychological research, uh, research on social behaviors, that uncertainty in the mind can be really unsettling, and people will tend to try to fill those voids with whatever they can. Investigations like this don't usually happen quickly, like they do in the movies. For example, we've known about Ebola since 1976. Since then, scientists have taken samples from thousands of animals, including shrews and lizards. Yet we still haven't definitively identified the zoonotic origins of the virus. What mistakes do you think the media has made while telling this story that may have made it, you know, more divisive? You don't have science and health journalists at every news outlet. (laughs) And so I think it's easier for news media to uh, just hop on, hey, well, this person said like it could be a lab leak and they didn't present any evidence, but they said it. So we can make news around that versus like, oh, I have to go and dig into some, some pretty complicated science to break down what happened here. Seacon told me that one piece of evidence for the natural spillover hypothesis is that there are features of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, in fact, parts of its spike protein, that indicate it evolved in animals. But to an average news consumer, this evidence gets complicated by the fact that supporters of the lab leak hypothesis, including some scientists, say similar things, only reversed. They think that certain features of SARS-CoV-2 could only have developed in a lab. The thing is, is that, you know, those those unique features that people who support the lab leak hypothesis are pointing out, 
we do see similar features in, in other coronaviruses. Like they might not be in the exact same family as SARS-CoV-2, but we are seeing those features in other coronaviruses. Like, you know, that is just something that isn't getting said in those stories. And I don't, I don't know why. I think maybe there was one virologist who, who mentioned sometimes it reminds him of intelligent design sort of arguments. Um, there might be some sort of, for people who haven't really studied evolutionary biology, there could be just sort of this thought of like, no way can this just happen. Uh, this has to be designed to be like this. But I think people who study evolution are like, wow, there's a lot of like creative things that happen in nature. And, you know, there could be convergence, like these, the same mutation happening in different lineages. And we can see it in other different coronaviruses, you know. Um, so I think so, so maybe there's an appeal there. It's a simpler story thinking that it was designed to be that way. How do you explain mass tragedy, right? Like it's really hard to think that it just comes out of nowhere. It's sort of easier to feel like humans have agency over it in some way. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to this idea that uncertainty can be really unsettling. And we also want to be in control of what happens around us. Um, we want to think that there's an intentionality to, to most things, but we live in a chaotic universe <laughs> uh, and sometimes things just line up. Why is it important to know where this virus came from? I mean, if you do have an animal species out there that is a vector or a carrier for this disease, you want to know. You want to know about it. You know, if, if this is something that came from a farm or if it came from a jungle or if it came from a mountain cave, um, I think you want to know what the, the risks might be. So I think knowing the source is really important for, for that reason. I, I sort of call out the idea that this is the number one way to prevent a pandemic. You know, I think it is important. Listen, and, and I'm like super interested in this stuff. I really, for the sake of science too, you know, how are these things starting? But I don't know if uh, knowing the source of this emerging pandemic is going to stop us from preventing the next one, you know, because they seem to come from different animals for different reasons. I think what we should be doing is really thinking about what are our surveillance systems like? How are we going to catch these spillovers faster? Um, you know, how are we going to respond to them? How are countries going to report them to each other? Do we have stockpiles of protective gear? Can we make vaccines fast? I feel like those are some of the really important issues. And I want to be clear, I'm not against studies. I mean, I'm just sort of thinking big picture here, how much does screaming about this issue detract from other issues? As soon as the lab leak story dropped in early 2020, it became highly politicized. Former President Trump and Secretary Mike Pompeo amplified the idea, and it set up a sort of us versus them mentality with China. To just say it clearly, the US was doing really bad then. Um, you know, COVID had been surging. Um, and it looks bad for leaders to say, what's going on in our country? Are, what's happening here? Are we to blame for what's going on here? And, it's, and it is a way of deflecting attention by saying, let's look at China again and what China did. And then I think you also have to look at the broader geopolitical context at the time, right? There's the US-China trade war. People just have really strong opinions about China. And I think you can see everything sort of balling together. What do you think sort of like the long term impacts of this this kind of debate are? 
I can tell you my fears. Yeah, (laughs) tell me. (laughs) To be honest, the statement that Biden put out and the statement that HHS put out at World Health Assembly, to me, they're they're fine. You know, we haven't ruled out the lab leak hypothesis. We don't know the origin. So yes, new studies sound fine. But if this sort of rhetoric continues, that we're going to continue to hammer China on this question, um, and it's going to become more and more allegations. I'm I'm really worried about that. I mean, on a geopolitical level, I think you know I've heard I've I've read accounts of how global health was really difficult to do during the Cold War period. It doesn't bode well to have these two powers at each other's throats, and I don't think that's helpful for science. What does that do long term in terms of like politics, in terms of feelings towards? China in terms of feelings towards Asian Americans with all the Asian American hate that we're seeing. That uncertainty is unsettling for me. At the end of the day, we all want the same things. To get out of this pandemic and figure out how to prevent the next one. Discovering where this virus came from may be one piece of that. But if there's one thing we've learned since COVID-19 emerged over a year ago, It's that we can't beat this virus alone. Through divisiveness, we only harm ourselves. That's it for this episode of Podcast 19. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, email us a voice memo at askpodcast19 at gmail.com. That's askpodcast19 at gmail.com. I'm Anna Rothschild. Our producer is Sinduja Srinivasan. Chadwick Matlin is our executive producer. Thanks for listening. See you next time.